all, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. Yep, that's me. Listen, I would like to take this time, as I always do, as I always say, thank you to all of my listeners out there in podcast world. One day we're going to make this a live podcast. But until then, please continue to like and share this podcast along with all of the latest episodes. As you are already aware, this is the second season of Real Talk. I am enjoying it. I have a lot of great things coming your way. If you thought episode one was amazing, number two is going to blow your socks off. Okay, listen to this. If you have not had the opportunity to listen to the last episode uh, entitled The Latest Buzzwords, Reimagining Police, please do so. Please share with your friends and family. I decided to go right into season two, starting another series of, I think, one of the most important topics as well that are hitting the airways, uh, and, and we want to talk about it. We have to talk about it. I think you will enjoy it. I've done extensive research, which is one of the reasons why you have not had another episode in the last week or so, because I wanted to dive and dig deep into what exactly is going on in our federal government, as well as the local and state government, as it pertains to uh, reimagining police and police accountability. We want to talk about those things, of course, like I told you in the last episode, we're going to be hitting part two of this. I was able to break down the origin of where this reimagining idea even stemmed from. And as we know, it stemmed from the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin incident that took place last year. We know there was tons of riots. We know there was tons of protests, whether good or bad, but it all stemmed from the George Floyd incident. Well, today I have more where that came from. As I stated in the last episode, our world is ever-changing. And the law enforcement community is still being attempted uh, by the hijackers on the left um, to keep up with the latest trends. But we're trying our best to keep up with the latest changes that are happening in our profession. We're trying our hardest to stay abreast and to do the right thing. That's what we're all about. Police accountability is the second piece of uh, the left's agenda, as we know. We have reimagined the police, and they added another portion onto this. It's nothing more than fancy terms, fancy words, police accountability. And that is just the agenda to hold the police down, to control the narrative, to control what we do uh, as law enforcement professionals. Their goal on the left, in my opinion, with well, all of this is to control the narrative, like I stated, and they want to be heard and they think they should have the last say so on how things should run and how police should be uh, doing their jobs. I, of course, beg to differ. Without the insight and experience on how we as law enforcement officers are trained, speaking about the public, please allow me to say this. The law enforcement training in our curriculum, I can only speak for the state of North Carolina, it is packed with great training, okay? We go through lecture courses where we sit there and hear uh, people with uh, law degree backgrounds or people who have a lot of experience 
in the uh, world of U.S. constitutional law, as well as we, we sit there in lectures of state laws. Uh, we talk heavily uh, about juvenile law and the et cetera, of course. And then you hit the real life physical training that we have to go through. It's very scrutinized. Okay. That is your firearms training. That's your driving training. If you don't pass these um, mandates, guess what? You do not get the blessing. You do not get the badge. You do not get to swear um, on the oath. You won't become a police officer if you do not meet these requirements. I know for a fact there is no other profession outside of the military that goes through such a great scrutiny as it pertains to training in the law enforcement community. And if there's anybody out there that says otherwise, please uh, write me or message me on Facebook. Antoine Thomas. You can find me there very easy. If you have never served as a police officer, in my opinion, then you should do these things that I'm about to tell you. Shut up. And let us do the job that the state, the city, and the citizens has hired us to do as law enforcement officers. Let me be clear, though. I'm not saying that your opinions as citizens and Americans do not matter. Neither am I saying that you have, or as a citizen, you do not have a right to voice your concerns. That is not what I'm saying. But when you are talking just to be heard without even bringing substantial evidence and facts to the conversation, your voice to me does not matter. And your opinion is unwarranted and is not needed. Okay, side note, uh, this this just happened today. Side note, uh, our former president, Barack Obama, breaks ground uh, on his uh, new library, presidential library, that I spoke so much about in the last episode of Reimagine the Police. Today was the official uh, lunch day or opening, however you want to put it. Of course, his wife, Michelle, was there. But guess who was also there with a shovel in their hand? Mayor Lightfoot. And as I spoke about and told you about in the last episode, this library obviously was built on the south side of Chicago in the place where uh, much more precincts or uh, substations as it pertains to police, uh, policing is needed. Note we have a presidential library that was built there, okay? And yet Obama, Laura Lightfoot, people of that stature have not spoken out against black-on-black, gang-on-gang crimes. But yet they highlighted the new facility, the presidential library. Now, I'm not, we all know after every president goes ahead and uh, fulfills their term, uh, a few years down the road, they begin working on their presidential library. I get that, not knocking it. All I'm saying is they put it in the area where crime is afoot. I guarantee you, you won't hear or see any problems in that area of where that presidential library is going, is located. On the south side of Chicago, like I stated. Why? Because it's going to be heavily policed. It's going to be heavily guarded. But yet, day in and day out, black young people in O are being gunned down in the south side of Chicago. The same area, same community where President Obama has built his uh, library. And we spoke about the Obama Foundation in the last episode. Again, if you missed it, go back. I thought it was uh, befitting to highlight that today and in no uh, other moment or time or day could have happened than today when we are recording the latest episode of Real Talk. I thought it was befitting. I had to share with you uh, what a coincidence, right? No, it is not a coincidence. This is what is happening around America and the people that are at the forefront of it, um, the same folks spouting to fund the police, reimagine accountability. They are still doing their everyday day 
um, daily activities. Obama's a prime example. But yet, you never hear Barack Lightfoot spotlighting Southside Chicago. Chicago getting up there talking about how we can combat and reduce crime. You don't hear that. But yet, they called out the news to show them with a shovel in their hand, scooping up a pile of dirt to say, hey, we are grand opening our new library. That is, uh, to me, ridiculous. That is, to me, also uh, sad, and I am concerned, but I'm also, uh, at the same breath, disappointed. But yet, reimagine, defund the police is at the forefront. Americans, my Chicagoans, however you want to pronounce yourselves, wake up, smell it, taste the coffee. It is time to fight back, push back, and say, look, until you can help us, I'm talking about the citizens who are not creating this crime, help us combat the crime in our areas, we can care less about a presidential library. We care less about you coming and, and, and campaigning on behalf of, of anybody. And I know I'm moving uh, and I'm and I'm moving all over the place, but uh, they had the audacity to go to California during the recall election for Larry Elder and, of course, the recall for Gavin Newsom. Uh, people like Hillary Brock and many others came out to to show their support, to push the narrative forward. And yet crime is afoot in their areas and they care to do nothing about it. That is saddened um, and, and, and you have to stand up. Got to push back. Got to. The, the black on black crime is it's just ridiculous. But yet we spout reimagining re police reform, fund the police. Man, in my opinion, you got to love it. I mean, you got to love this stuff. It is, as a, a friend of mine would say, he's old school, can't make this stuff up. And we ain't making it up. It's there for us to see and read. Okay. Okay. I know y'all want me to digress. I know y'all want me to move into what we have got to talk about. And that is Police Accountability Task Force. This is, and I do digress. Okay. As I always say, I'm digressing. I'm moving into this important topic. The latest buzzwords, part two, police accountability task force. Police accountability task force. Got to say that again because you have got to know we're about to hit it hard. Let's go into it. So the United States Congress, uh, the way they responded to the George Floyd, of course, and the Derek Chauvin incident, they had no other choice, I'm assuming, but they could have uh reframe this in a different way but of course they along with everybody else uh decided that they need to jump on the bandwagon whether it was for negative purposes or positive purposes uh you can bet your dollar that the left cashed in on this moment why because they had opportunity uh people that make up the congress and the senate to draft bills uh that will ultimately cripple the hands of law enforcement even more uh to play a role or counteract what happened in the George Florida uh, incident. So they took one person who was, uh, we have to call like it is, at the end of the day, he was a bad actor. He he went too far chiving. And now they want the whole entire uh, law enforcement community around the country to pay for this. I beg to differ. As I always say, put the blame where the blame should go. Myself, along with other great law enforcement, men and women, we go to work and do the right thing. The whole goal is to get the job done, uh, professionally to get the job done uh, in a perfect manner to leave each party with a better outcome. That is my goal, and I know that's many others' goals. 
but yet the Congress are drafting tons of bills. And today, I want to start right there, the United States 116th Congress session, okay? Talk about all the bills that they are trying to draft and have drafted, just hadn't passed yet. Uh, it's passed certain committees. Uh, some of them have passed the House, uh, and that's the, the, the most that have done. And, and, and as a matter of fact, when I'm hearing, they have put a halt to some of these bills, but I'm still going to dive into them because they're there. And you better believe they're going to push the agenda to have these bills passed. They just didn't uh, didn't write hundreds of pages of uh, laws to not have them pass. Or maybe they could. Maybe they could have just to say that they're working, making over 100000 a year, lifetime retirement salary. Maybe they could. But I'm going to call it out. We're going to talk about it. On June the 8th, 2020, okay, the Congress drafted a bill to introduce uh that spoke about the George Floyd incident. They call it the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020, which did pass the House back on June 25th, 2020. Again, it sits there uh, waiting for, uh, of course, to have a blessing and, of course, for it to go and um, be presented to that man who calls himself the president. Uh, almost forgot his name, Biden, for his signature. This was drafted by a group of people. Of course, the committee that actually set this up is the Judiciary Committee who uh, handles the armed services and the energy commerce, okay? And we're going to dive into it, okay? This is the bill they introduced. It is the House of Representatives Bill 7120. And I want to tell you what this addresses. This bill addresses a wide range of policies and issues regarding policing practices and law enforcement accountability. It increases accountability for law enforcement misconduct, restricts the use of certain policing practices, enhances transparency and data, the collection of data. It establishes best practices and training requirements. Bill went on to say it enhances existing law enforcement mechanisms to remedy, listen to that, violations by law enforcement. We know what a remedy is. It is something to counteract or to help uh, fuel um, the purpose of when something is wrong or negative to help a remedy is to counteract, okay, to make it better. That is a, what they're trying to say. They're going to make our uh, policies and procedures the way we police better. Among other things, it does the following. Listen to this now. It lowers the criminal intent standard from willful to knowing or reckless, okay, to convict a law enforcement. Now, remember, this is law related. They're not talking about a criminal. This is the law enforcement. They want to convict us, uh, the officer for misconduct in a federal prosecution. We want to take it all the way to the federal courts. Forget about the state and your local courts. Take it all the way up to the federal court. How dare this such uh, legislation even be pushed? It wants to limit the qualified immunity. So they, as you know, they're trying to take that away from us right here in the state of North Carolina. They're trying to take the qualified immunity, which is nothing more than if an officer is acting in good faith, uh, he or she cannot be protected. Right now, we are protected. We're acting in good faith, and a person dies at the hands of an officer or in the officer's custody or presence. Uh, we are um, immune. We have uh, things in place that will prevent us from being criminally and civilly sued. However, uh, people are always going to try to sue you, but now they want to take the qualified immunity from us. That's really the only line of defense we have left as it pertains to our job. They haven't taken the qualified immunity from the uh, medical field. 
who has way more uh, what we call malfunctions or malpractice deaths, but yet the police, they want to take the immunity from us as a defense. Now, here goes why, why they want to do this to uh, to the liability in a private civil action against law enforcement, which is what I just told you about. They want to just prevent us from even having protection of being sued civilly. Because what we find out in law enforcement, if you can't go out the, the agency uh, per se or make a criminal charge, you better believe a civil penalty is coming. This also grants the administrative subpoena power to the Department of uh, Justice, a.k.a. DOJ, and pattern, pattern or practice of investigations. So now they want to have full control. Skip the state, local. They want to be able to subpoena you and move you all the way up to the federal courts, which don't even happen, happen in a local setting. When a person is committing a crime and they have been uh, pulled over for a simple, uh, what we call routine traffic stop, and there are hundreds and hundreds of pounds of uh, illegal drugs or seized, that person has a right to go to court, to the local courts. They have a right to damn whatever the uh, outcome of the case. Obviously, if the case is not in their favor, that defendant and his or her attorney can move uh, up to have that court case appealed after going through Superior Court. And after that ruling is made by the Superior Court judge, they have the right to appeal it all the way to the appellate courts. And the appellate courts uh, what we call um, uphold that ruling in the favor of the uh, officer or the, I should say, the state prosecution. That defendant has a right to take it all the way up to their North Carolina, uh, excuse me, their state Supreme Court. And from there, if they don't like the ruling, they can move it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. But here, they're trying to block law enforcement, the immunity calls, in case we do encounter these things. They want to block all the way um, up in our local, in our state. They want to just be able to take it to federal law and federal courts. Now, is that fair? No, that's a double standard. It's not fair at all. But yet we do the job day in and day out, knowing these things are being pushed. It established a framework to prevent a remedy. It goes remedy again. Racial profiling, by which I want to say this, if there's any officers, black, white, or green, or purple, who are racially profiling people, that is against the law. It is against the Constitution. It is against their policies and procedures. That that said, police precinct, that person should be held responsible. But to put the whole entire law enforcement community on blast and serve notice on us that we, uh, at that point, are doing this, and racial profiling is, is unjust, is number one, and is biased, and it's not correct. And as I always say, I'm going to speak out against it, if nobody else will. But going back to the racial profiling by law enforcement at the federal, state, and local levels, it also limits the unnecessary use of force, restricts the use of no, not warrant. So they had to add this in there. Now, remember, this has nothing to do, if we're talking about the George Floyd and Chauvin incident, there was nothing that uh, brought about a warrant as it pertains definitely a warrant of a no, not. And no, not warrants are talking about entering uh, someone's home due to the ex, uh, exigent circumstances that we call it. And what that is, just what it is, is we have to get in there right at that moment because there is uh, violence or there are uh, crimes that will be uh, committed or evidence will be destroyed related to that crime. So if we don't uh, get in there very quickly, we, we, we find out that if a person is being looked at for drugs, there's arrest warrants for that uh, particular person or warrants on that house. We do know not warrants because we don't want the evidence destroyed. But now they have found a way so cleverly to add this into the bill to get rid of no not warrants, which in my opinion, of course, they talked about the Breonna Taylor incident was just that of a no not. At the end of the day, there was exigent circumstances that her boyfriend uh, obviously was committing 
illegal acts. And if they didn't get in there and move out, he could either. And also you find that uh, defendants at times become a flight risk. Nothing more than fleeing the scene. So those are uh, things that have been put in to the uh, legislation and to the laws uh, and, and the procedures of law enforcement to allow us to do this. Now the federal uh, Congress people are trying to take that away from us. Of course, they want to do the choke holes and the um, carotid holes, which we learned that in the Minnesota case, the Minneapolis Police Department, the chief came on during the trial uh, testimony stage and talked about how uh, choke holes and the um, uh, different things that they use physical force to what we call law enforcement to gain control or to uh, take control of someone. This was practices that they used in their particular police department. Now, not all police departments around the country allow for chokeholds. So now the Fed said, we want to move in. We want to ban that completely. Yes. Now, I know people are going to say, well, didn't President Trump talk a little bit about that? And he wanted to pass and push legislation to make it illegal for chokeholds. Yes, he did. He did. But that was a different perimeter there. When you talk about he wanted to make sure we shed light that, yes, that was an issue and it should be addressed. But now we have the uh, Congress men and women who are saying we need to just get rid of it all together with no evidence, with nothing backing it up. Just get rid of it. Is it an issue? No, it is not an issue. It was an issue in this particular trial, but that it's not an issue uh, nationwide. There is not a chokehold campaign going on within the police and the law enforcement community. So, no, I beg to differ. Now, this bill also creates a national registry that the National Police Misconduct Registry as well. They want to implement these things. And what they would do is they will compile the data and the complaints and the uh, police misconduct records, okay, starting at the local level of police, okay. And this is also for the federal government, obviously. They want to be able to take control of your HR personnel records, which is illegal, okay. They want to be able to have control and access to this. So anytime they feel free or they feel the hunch to go in and check Officer uh, A. Thomas's uh, HR uh, personnel file without any reasons, they want to be able to do it. Illegal. Nothing more than an illegal act and an overreach of power. It also establishes the new reporting requirements, including on the use of force, officer misconduct, they want to do routine policing practices, and also this relates to traffic stops, the search and seizures of it. Finally, this bill directs the DOJ. You notice it says directs, which uh, inadvertently means give them control, access, ability to create a uniform accreditation standards for law enforcement agencies and requires law enforcement officers to complete training on racial profiling, implicit bias, which we're already doing. You're late. We do it every year. So shut up, move on, and the duty to intervene when another officer uses uses excessive force. And let me speak on a duty to intervene. That is common sense. See something, say something. And if my partner is, if we roll up on a domestic, let's just let, let's just do a hypothetical situation. My partner Ruth, uh, shows up with me on a domestic violence call. Uh, there's an active disturbance in the background we get there and a fight is uh as we say is on or ensued get there and we get the situation contained for the moment um and my partner just so happens that everything is uh, settled down he or she decides to uh pull the defendant to the side because he has a problem 
with uh, men beating up on women, which I do as well. But he or she takes it upon themselves to continue um, this rant and decides that he wants to challenge the defendant to a fight or whatever it may be to uh, take him in the back room. Nobody's looking and, and commence to beat down on this guy that I hear commotion going on. I run in there and see this going on and, and, and then close the door back and fail to do anything. That's that, that's not logical. Neither is it Neither is it realistic. Does it happen? I'm sure. Okay, whatever reason it may be. But as an officer, I'm not going to stand idly by and watch. I'm going to break it up. And there needs to be accountability. There needs to be reportings going on to our um, command staff and leadership uh, to have that officer reprimanded because that's not how it works. As an officer, we are called in uh, due to a situation at hand to intervene, to come in and calm the situation down, which is what we do 99% of the time. And once that situation has come, we find a solution, whether that's taking both parties or one party to jail, do a report, uh, let the investigators follow up if need be. That's it. We're not there to become uh, emotionally attached. So I beg to differ on this. Wow, where's the time going? We are almost up on the break. And I haven't even, listen, I have about, oh man, I have well over 10 pages of information that I've researched to talk about. We're going to get it done. I'm, I'm going to stop interjecting. But this is stuff you have to know. So that concludes the um, House Bill 7120. Okay. Now I want to talk about very briefly who's sponsoring this bill. As you could imagine, it is a group of Democrats. I mean, there is no other way behind it. There's no other uh, way to look at it, okay? The Democratic Party uh, is obviously pus pushing this bill. Now, uh, the person, she is a black female who actually sponsored this bill, which means she's the uh, person who's uh, written the bill. And, of course, you always have people uh, from that particular uh, party and, of course, body of government that goes in with you to co-sponsor. So we'll talk about that. But she is from the um, District 37 in all places, California, okay? And um, she has served for many years. She has served for many years since 2013 all the way to present, okay? So she's been in the House of Representatives for a very long time, okay? Um, and she is a black female. Again, I, I told you that. And, and, and for some reason, I do not have her name listed here. I will go back and get that for you at a later date. But I want to tell you some other people who came on this bill. And by the way, there was 230 co-sponsors, which a lot of times you don't find that in different bills. But this was so important to the Democrats. Uh, the majority of them, if not all of them, jumped on board with this bill to co-sponsor. And you would not be surprised. There are two Democratic um, representatives from North Carolina who joined this um, particular bill. In my opinion, two of the worst Democratic folks, and they all should be ousted and um, not proven and elected for re-election. But G.K. Butterfield, all my North Carolinians would know who this guy is. I had opportunity to uh, be at an event with him last year when everybody was walking in solidarity. This gentleman, G.K. Butterfield, who's nothing more than a pun, got up there and did his little speech. And did you not know, didn't shake one hand. And I know even fist pump. Yeah, we're in the midst of COVID very heavily last year. But he walked off the stage and didn't stay for the prayer, didn't stay for anything. He did his little speech and left. Now, this was on a Sunday. So I know he wasn't that busy where he needed to leave. But he left very arrogantly. And I got a chance to see that firsthand. No personable skills at all. No people skills at all. And he's out of Wilson, 
North Carolina. Okay, in that particular area. So he comes to this event, speaks, and then leaves. My opinion, people within his district, wake up. The man doesn't have any respect for you or me. Don't care. He is a lifelong career politician. Wake up. Stop voting blindly and ignoring the issues at hand and vote somebody in there, whether black or white, who's going Hispanic, whoever it may be, who's going to actually make a change and care about your well-being and your vote. G.K. Butterfield proved to me right there that he does not care. For him not to take time out of his schedule to sit and listen to what others had to say, no, he wanted everybody to listen to him, all because he's a representative. He's a failing representative, but we won't go there for the moment. This is not what this show is about. I am calling on my young brothers and sisters, okay, around the country. Now, I've been spouting this for over a year now. It's time to run, okay? It's time for us to stand up. I'm not talking about running against the fight, okay, or away from the fight. I'm talking about running in your districts to um, combat and to get these failed leaders out of office. Mostly every representative you see are at least in their 60s and on up, Okay. Uh, Madison Cawthorn out of North Carolina did a great job of running one, and he's pushing the narrative, and I love it. There's some other great people my age that are running, and I support them. Listen, we're getting ready to go on a break, and I'm going to dive into the second part of this, which is Representative David Price from North Carolina, who also joined this bill. I want to talk a little bit about him. He's a ridiculous person as well, okay, an old guy in his 70s or 80s, okay? That's what I'm saying. Get rid of these old politicians, the way of doing things. It's time for them to get out. Pack your bags, okay? We're moving up on a break. Again, it is moving rapidly. You are listening to Real Talk, okay? And this episode is entitled The Latest Buzzwords, Police Accountability and Reform. I'm your host, Officer Thomas. See you soon. Welcome back. I am so glad you came back. I know some of y'all was just sitting in your chairs like, oh, oh, hurry up, break, hurry up, hurry, hurry up. I want to hear about Representative David Price. Well, if you're from North Carolina, you did. <laughs> but, yeah, David Price was the other co-sponsor. Not representing North Carolina in a good fashion, in my opinion, at all. But David Price, another old white representative. And, I, and it's not about the black or white, but we do have to talk about it for this moment since everybody's, everyone else is preaching it, okay? A failed politician. Been there since 2014. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, please, please allow me to back up. Uh, I lied to y'all. Okay, definitely lied to y'all. He, Representative David Price. Okay, he has been serving since 1997. Couldn't tell you any great policies or procedures or laws that he sponsored to help push North Carolina forward and the United States forward. Couldn't tell you. His whole goal is to die in office, okay? Let's get him out. I, I, I'm, I'm literally talking to my um, people around my age, men and women, or older than me, who want to see a difference, who wants to see a real change, who has good uh, values, who has great visions to move America and your particular state forward. I tell you, I want you, step up. Get out there and run for office. You may say, well, what are you doing? My goal is to also run for office, okay? I'm currently helping helping a great brother of mine run for sheriff, okay? 
That is what my efforts are at right now. It is a lot of work. And, of course, I am your host of this podcast, and I am a current law enforcement officer. I am a uh, national representative in the Blexit movement. I currently serve as a director of um, member engagement. I currently serve as a North Carolina state director. I currently served as the um, regional director. And then my last position, I served as the grassroots director. So I've done a lot to help push this movement forward, Blexit, but not only that, um, the movement of conservatism and also the movement of, of pushing our President Trump forward and great people uh, like our Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson, and great people and men and women around this country. So I'm fighting day in and day out. Now take that. But I, I, I want to continue to talk about it. We can't forget to talk about it. Now I want to back up. And I didn't have the person's name that I spoke about who's actually the sponsor of the George Floyd build, build. Her name is Representative Alma Adams. And again, she is an older black lady as well. Get her out of there. Democrat. Okay. She has been serving since 2014. It's time for her to go. She's made her uh, stamp. She's able now to receive a lifetime retirement. Get her out of there. Now, I have some great people here in North Carolina who are currently running. And one person I know, a colleague of mine, uh, for sure I know who's running. His name is Tyler Lee. He's running in a district, okay? Uh, and, and, again, I, 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 I've, I've messed up again. I've messed up again. Please forgive me. The representative of that bill that I spoke about, my notes are a little uh, jumbled up, apparently, okay? Uh, the representative I just told you about, Representative Alma Adams, she actually serves here in North Carolina. I'm sorry, she is not the sponsor of the George Floyd bill. She is currently serving in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg uh, district, okay? My good friend and colleague, Tyler Lee, who is in his uh, early 20s, he is running to unseat Alma. I understand she's a wonderful black lady, very nice, older woman. She could be your grandmother, make great biscuits, but that is not what this is about. It's about changing laws and making laws that are great for the better outcome of the community and for the country. It's not about self-interest. So please allow me to correct those errors. Now I want to ask a question. Does anyone see a trend? Well, let me show you the trend. Most of, again, our legislations in our states uh, in our federal government, whether that's on the Congress or Senate side, there are older folks who have been sitting in these, in these positions forever. The majority of the House are made up of old folks who are geriatric patients who are receiving AARP. And I'm not talking negative against that, but it's time that we get young blood in there. we got to. Okay, back to business. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Now, since the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin incident, Congress has moved of course, to draft many other bills, okay, and to introduce bills that were so-called combat the uh, harassment or the misuse or misconduct, the misuse of power as it pertains to police. Their main focus, not about the uh, Benghazi that took place with Hillary Clinton, not about what we have now, our border uh, control uh, being overrun, okay, not about the incident that happened in Afghan last month, not about um, the stolen elections, not about our um, fraudulent um, system as it pertains to getting our ballots, the dominion, that's what the word I'm looking for. Not about the um, wrongdoings of representatives, people that make up higher levels of government. Nope. 
the main focus, the laser focus is the law enforcement community. Why? I say this all the time. We are the political puns for the left, okay? If they continue to spout racism, racism, cops are killing black people, we'll always have a racial divide and we're helping fuel that narrative, but it's not true. It's a false doctrine. It's a false narrative, but yet they're doing this. Now, due to time constraints, I do not have the opportunity to dissect every portion of the bill completely, but what I do want to share with you are some bills that are up um, for legislation to pass. Most of these bills have been introduced into the committees, but they have not been passed. You have the IRPA, you have the Emmett Till, which is anti-lynching, which again has nothing to do with law enforcement, but again, they have put this in the law enforcement bracket. So if anybody didn't see it or understand what I'm talking about, understand after this, okay? Political puns for the left, the law enforcement community is. Emmett Till, we know that was a bad situation, okay, years and years ago during the um, civil rights uh, uh, era, okay. We know that he allegedly whistled at a white woman that she became very offended because you can't even talk to a white person back in those days, let alone whistle or speak negative against them. She got in touch with her husband. He came back, found him, him and his boys, clan members killed him. We knew that about that, uh, shoved them off into a huge lake. Of course, he um, drowned. I think they put some weights on him and things like that, and he drowned, and he blew up like a big fish. We saw the open casket. It is a um, sad deal, but his mother wanted the world to see what they had done to his son and to see where we were at that time in America as it relates to black and white um, issues, okay? That's what the Emmett Till bill. It wasn't that a cop killed him. It wasn't that the cops drug his body, but yet they somehow found a way to sneak this in. Nothing to do with the George Floyd incident. It is what it says, anti-lynching act. Who in 2021 is being lynched anyways? But I move on. They want to also end racial and religious profiling act of 2020. Again, nothing to do with the law enforcement community. The Eric Garner Excessive Use of Force Prevention Act. This was a bill and this was a court case that moved all the way to the Supreme Court. It talked about the unnecessary or the um, heavy-handed use of force. This is something that is preached and teached in North Carolina. Uh, criminal justice standards here. We have this training every year. Of course, all over the uh, country. But again, we don't need more reform to this. It's already, it, it is what it is. Okay, it is what it is. You feel free to look that up. They also want to push the Federal Police Camera and Accountability Act. So everything is dealing with accountability as it pertains to the left. They want everything to be accountability, but yet they don't hold themselves accountable. I would love for someone to bring a large mirror that will fit all the Democrats on it and let them look at themselves and see first that accountability starts within them, but they don't see it. They also want to do the Law Enforcement Trust and Integrity Act of 2020. Again, feel free to go to uscongress.gov uh, and look up these different legislation bills. Peace Act of 2020, the Pride Act. Again, we know what Pride is. Again, has nothing to do with law enforcement. Some way they snuck that in. Police Camera Act of 2020. Another camera body, and this is body cam, of course. Okay. Now, some of these bills, these bills are are, are heavily pushed and looked at as it pertains to the federal law enforcement community. But again, as a whole, it is to um, place all of law enforcement within the country in this bracket. Okay, and, and and they also want to push the police creating account, accountability again by making effective recording available. Act of 2020, another 
body cam. So you see four different body cam legislations. How many more do you need? They also want to do the police exercising absolute care with everyone act of 2020, whatever that means. I couldn't even even take a look at myself or push myself to even open that up and read on that because it's just ridiculous. Police reporting information, the data and evidence act of 2020, again, it goes back to what I talked about. They want to have personnel uh, records. They want to be able to find out if you've done misconduct or uh, misuse of power control or anything of that nature. They want to be able to get in there and see that. Now, the House of Representatives touted that this bill was introduced. This is the reason why they did it, to hold law enforcement accountable for misconduct in court, improve transparency through data collection and reform in police training and policies. Now, the first of many, uh, this is Section 101 of the George Floyd Bill, okay? It has many nuances in there. And by the way, everyone I read to you is packed within the George Floyd Bill. So you could imagine how many pages of unneeded and unnecessary um, papers was included, right? But the first stage of this is the deprivation of rights under color of law. Imagine that. As we say, in the law enforcement and the criminal and also the uh, justice community, the law is colorblind, but yet they say they want to do this deprivation of rights under the color of law. Now, we are including that it is a color issue because, again, as I always say, the white officer George Floyd went to work to spout out and seek out and kill a black man. <laughs> do you see where I have been going with this show from day one? Not making this stuff up. So within this particular bill, as well, they have qualified immunity reform, which I talked about, pattern of practice investigations, independent investigations, nothing more than they want to get into uh, the police matters and investigate their own with no knowledge, with no experience, other than being trial lawyers, some or civil lawyers, most, uh, and get in here and try to see where and poke uh, holes into a um, well-laid-out law enforcement investigation. They want to do independent studies and investigations. Okay. They want, of course, we talked about the accreditation of law agencies, the law enforcement grants. They even want to control this now. They want to get involved in grants. Nothing to do with a chokehold uh, that took place with the George Floyd incident, but instead they want to push all this in. Section 15, they want to do the attorney general to conduct studies. Now, again, they want to do independent studies, but not only that, they want to have federal studies and now. Uh, push the Attorney General of the United States to go ahead and seek uh, investigations as well. They want to do an authorization of appropriations, nothing more than seeing how they can look at the appropriations as it pertains to grants and funding and see how they can disperse it. Nothing more than defunding the police. <laughs> it's just their way of uh, changing the wording to fit it in, but we, we're calling out. We're looking, digging, and we're digging deep. This is a lot of information. Again, it took me a lot of time to research it. I, I, I recommend you do the same a lot of hidden things, and a lot of the bills are packed, as they call it, with pork. And these are what we call packing it with pork right here. You're reading and you're listening to it. National Task Force on Law Enforcement Oversight. They want to put it together. Again, this show is entitled what? Police Accountability Task Force, which is exactly what I'm talking about here. They want to create a National Law Enforcement Task Force, okay, to, to oversee and find, again, and pick holes where there's no holes to be picked, but they want to find one, okay, or any loopholes they can use to say the officer acted out of his conduct or her conduct. 
They want to go to do a federal data collection of law enforcement practices. They want to do a national police misconduct registry. I talked about that. Establish a national police misconduct registry as well. They want to do that. Um, certifications of requirements. They want to be able to say who and who shall not and cannot work as a law enforcement officer. Okay. And you have a subsection here. The second, second title of this is the Pride Act. Again, nothing to do with law enforcement, but they want to do the use of force reporting, the force data reporting, the compliance reporting requirements, okay, federal law reporting, authorization of appropriations. Why do they call it the product? I have no idea other than sneaking in their agenda. Okay, Title Three, they want to improve police training and policies and racial and religious profiling acts, okay? They want to be able to eliminate racial profiling by law law enforcement. They, they put a special emphasis on the federal law enforcement agencies. Policies to eliminate racial profiling. They want to create and establish programs to eliminate racial profiling by state and local law enforcement agencies. Again, getting involved in state matters. These are the feds that want to do this. Again, our Congress, men and women. They want to go ahead and also they don't stop there. They want to have policies that require for grants and see who's eligible and who ain't and who shouldn't be. They want to do, again, involve the attorney general. We're back at that data collection again. They want to be able to have control. Now, I can't continue to read on with that because it's a bunch of what I call malarkey. Now, please allow me to interject if you don't mind. And, and this is as a side note. So congressmen and women on the left, of course, much rather that law enforcement or our law enforcement community, I should say, not have access to surplus government-issued uh, military-grade equipment, okay? This is all due to the George Floyd incident. You heard President Biden get on national TV and talk about it. He don't believe law enforcement should have access to, to the uh, surplus of, of military equipment, which is nothing more when they are not in use or they've ordered too much or have too much, don't need it uh, due to not being in the active war. Maybe this is stuff that has been pulled out of uh, the uh, areas of war back uh, years ago from Afghan. Now we saw and we see that, but he would much rather have them in the hands of the Taliban. Go figure. Doesn't make sense. People that could really, well, the agencies that could really use this equipment. Now I'm not talking that we need army tankers running around here. I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of a great equipment that can be utilized by law enforcement uh, personnel. Would you much rather have a gang member have AKs or, or, or rifles or ARs, or do you rather that the police department take possession of them? And we're, and, and I know you may say, well, let's do a buyback or let's do what we call a, 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 a auction. No, these materials and items should be given uh, and, and it should be accessed by law enforcement. But yet we see billions of dollars of equipment, tons of uh, ammunition and guns were given freely over to the Taliban. I have to, I have to, I have to talk about it. I have to take a pause and just stay on that for a moment. That is ridiculous. Yet the head of this country, a failing head of the country, Joe Biden is pushing the narrative that we as law enforcement officers do, does not and why in the world and, and, and we have the audacity to want those type of uh, 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 or level of equipment that will enhance and help our jobs as law enforcement officers easy. Why not? Why would you not give 
military helmets, equipment, um, you know, different levels of ballistic vests to the law enforcement community. Now, I'm not saying an average police officer on patrol is going to walk around with a riot helmet. I'm not saying that a military riot helmet or, 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 or nothing more than a Kevlar military helmet. I'm not saying that. But don't forget, every law enforcement agency, some big or small, have what we call a SWAT team, a specialized unit who goes into harm's way to pull out and to extract a, a, a hostage uh, person uh, or the suspect or a bank robber or someone who's firing at police or a community. These are the capability and the levels of equipment that can be used for SWAT teams to as we in law enforcement are taught and, and we preach it to stop and end the threat. But nope, give it to the Taliban and they turn around and use it against our very own military, our very own people. I'm going to use one of Candace Owens' words. She says it all the time. This is uh, what we call despicable. It's a, it, To me, it's a disaster. I'm going to use another word that our great president uses all the time. It is a disaster. I move on. I'm getting mad talking about it. Now, we're talking about allegedly the cause of death. Okay, we're going to go to the cause of death that was brought up at the trial um, during the George Floyd incident. The autopsy stated that it was done by uh, exfiliation, suffocation. Although we did also find out through the toxicology report that it was ruled that uh, George Floyd at time of death did have illegal drugs in his system, correct? Now, I'm not making light, neither am I trying to push the blame, or neither am I trying to take the, the spotlight off law enforcement, okay? But again, this was one man, this is one act. It wasn't the whole law enforcement community, yet we have to pay for this. Now, how did we get to this conclusion that law enforcement officers, okay, are using grenades, missiles, surplus, guns to kill innocent black people. None of this is true. None of this is, is even happening. So, yeah, we don't need grenades, missiles as part of surplus um, program. We don't need that to get in law enforcement communities. But we do need, again, I'm not going to let it go. We do need sometimes military-grade equipment, okay? You'd rather have it in the hands of law enforcement. Joe Biden, wake up. But, yeah. Billions of dollars was left in Afghan, and now uh, the Taliban, the terrorist regime, has control and access to all this stuff. Ridiculous. Totally backwards, in my opinion. Now, I want you to listen to this crazy bill, okay? This was introduced back uh, even before the George Floyd incident, back on March 13, 2019. This is Stop Militarizing Law Enforcement, which is exactly what... I was just talking about, I thought it'd be fitting to talk about this and, and the reason why they spout that law enforcement does not need military grade equipment. Of course, another black Democrat, Hank Johnson from Georgia, uh, he's been serving since 20, uh, 2007. He was the sponsor of this bill and he believed law enforcement shouldn't have such equipment. And he stated in this bill, uh, this bill restricts the DOJ or the DOD, excuse me, Department of Defense from transferring certain surplus military property to federal state or local law enforcement agencies don't even think the feds need it not just the local and state he thinks the feds don't need this equipment so he drafted a bill uh that would stop the dod from being able because they do they sell us equipment um 
at a very low cost to the law enforcement agencies around the country. Okay, which is great, I think. Now, specifically, the DOD made uh, may not transfer such agencies' property, such as controlled firearms, ammunition, bayonets, which we don't need bayonets, or grenades. We don't need grenades. Grenade launchers don't need those. Explosives don't need those. And certain vehicles or trucks or weaponized drones, we could use the drones. Uh, and we also can use the military vehicles. Again, all this stuff is left behind. Taliban has it now. This bill, again, was drafted in 2019. Let's bring it home to 2021. Now, the state, local, and feds couldn't use it. Don't want He don't want us to have it. But yet, they gave it all to the Taliban. Do you see where I'm going with it? See, I always have a way of bringing things home, okay? It's like a cake being baked. You got to start out with the eggs, the flour, the butter, okay? And then once you put all that in there, your sugar, okay, and whatever else you're going to put to make this cake, you cannot have a complete cake until you put it in the oven and bake it. And that is exactly what I've done. And this is the home uh, run stretch here. And now we're baking the cake. I tied all this into it because it is befitting. Yet, Representative Hanks don't want us to have any of this stuff and certain controlled aircraft. I don't necessarily think most law enforcement agencies need aircraft. Uh, silencers don't necessarily think we need those. Long range uh, acoustic devices don't need those. But the DOD may waive this limitation and transfer certain vehicles, okay, or trucks if the DOD determines that the transfer is necessary, okay? And I'm not going to read you all that bill, but again, this talks about how we, at the end of the day, we don't need none of this stuff. Now, I'm going to move on down, and furthermore, it talks about the condition of further transfer. You have to have, of course, a representative, and you have to have uh, receipts that has to be approved by the local governing bodies, of course, like that. Won't bore you with that information, but at the end of the day, I want to talk about it, okay, because this is what the uh, DOD um, bill has in it as it pertains to Representative uh, Hanks. He's the one that said he wants to just block DOD from doing any of this. But the bill also eliminates the requirement for DOD to give preference. So now they didn't want them to have control over who can and cannot get this equipment, okay, to transfer the property uh, that will be used in the counter-drug, counter-terrorism, or border uh, security activities. This is obviously speaking for the federal government, but he thinks that it, it, it should be eliminated and wiped out completely. Now, I beg to differ on that because at the end of the day, our border, as we see around the country, is heavily populated. It is heavily saturated with illegals. And now we saw the illegal uh, Haitian migrants move into this country at a rapid pace. Of course, they have been disseminated to different parts of the states around the United States. Uh, we see that the Mexican border uh, control and their and the lack thereof has always been an issue for years and years and years, even during the uh, President Bush's reign and probably before that, of course, during the Barack Obama reign. And we saw it heavily publicized during President Trump's reign, but it is a huge issue, completely backfired on the Biden administration, of course, he put uh, no nonsense, no knowing uh, Kamala Harris or Camilla or K Kayla, however you want to call her, in charge of the border, which she's done a heck of a bad job. Y'all thought I was going to say great job. She has done nothing. It, let, let, let's be frank. She told you. She said, why does she need to go to the border? It's the same deal. She hadn't been to Europe. Okay. Uh, we ain't talking about Europe, Kamala. We're talking about the United States border that makes up Texas uh, Mexico, Arizona, places of that nature where the illegal immigrants are 
piling into our country. All this is tied into police accountability because you can never hold somebody accountable. I talked about it earlier. You have to hold yourself accountable. In the Congress and the House of Representatives, you definitely have not held your end of the bargain. Now, there's another bill that I want to talk about that was drafted in June 8th of 2020. Okay, this is also part of that um, push for the George Floyd justice. Okay, we're going to be diving into that. I'm going to take another break here in a matter of minutes. Okay, and when I come back, I have a little bit more to bring you, and then we're going to end this show. This is probably going to be the longest show we've had so far because this is great information, and we have to speak out against it. Police accountability. Reimagine the police. All these things are taking place, and we have a lot of what we call standbyers who are saying nothing. When really, at the end of the day, the blame is where it needs to be put, but it's not being put. It is at the hands of the defendants, should be at the hands of Congress and the House of folks who are drafting these bills but not holding, again, their bargain. Maxine Water, she's been pushing protests for uh, months and, and, of course, over a year now. She said, get confrontational, get in their faces, confront them, talking about Trump supporters, let them know we ain't having it. But yet, defund the police, police accountability, police reform. She's preaching all this. And again, she happens to be in the worst state in America right now, California. But yet, we already saw she lives in a gated community, okay? We saw that uh, if her, if it's not gated, her house is uh, definitely armed and she has security there, okay? Uh, of course, you better believe she has a personal security team, but yet, defund the police. Maxine Waters, do you not know those security officers are nothing more than federal agents? And guess what? They are what? Law enforcement. So, indeed, you are doing what? You are not practicing what you preach. Defund the police, Nothing more means defund law enforcement. They are police at the end of the day. Anybody that is serving in a law enforcement capacity that is policing the areas or uh, buildings, it don't matter if you are a park ranger, you are a law enforcement officer. In the end of the day, police, you are policing. You are preventing some type of crime. So let me serve notice on you, Maxine. Hypocrite. Corey Branch, hypocrite. You ladies are hypocrites. Nancy Pelosi, hypocrite. Chuck Schumer, hypocrite. Joe Biden, hypocrite. Kamala Harris, hypocrite. Barack Obama, hypocrite. Lori Lightfoot, hypocrite. Who else? Mayor Bill de Blasio, hypocrite. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm sending it down the path. Former worst governor, well, one of the worst, Cuomo, hypocrite. Gavin Newsom, hypocrite. Should I continue? The mayor in in in, in Washington D.C. I think uh, Blau, Blau, uh, Blauser, something would it be Bauer, Bowser. That's her, hypocrite. Okay. Mayor of Atlanta, Georgia. Mayor Bottoms, hypocrite. I can keep going on and on and on and on, but yet we're still creating bills that are, uh, they call it enhancing, reforming the police. 
practices and, and profession, but it's not. Look, I'm getting ready to take another break, break number two. And I know, again, you're sitting at the edge of your chairs. You're waiting. You're saying, do not end this. This is so great. I love it. Well, we're here. And remember, you're listening to Real Talk. I'm Officer Antoine Thomas, and I'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back. That's all I got to say. Welcome all. Welcome all, as I always say. <laughs> I love to say that. Um, I love it. it. It's just fun. I'm having a great time. I hope you are too. But let's move into the last and final Senate bill that I want to talk about. Again, this bill was introduced uh, June 8th of last year, 2020. And this is nothing more than the Justice and Policing Act of 2020. All these justices and Policing acts. If you notice, it's all related to police. This bill addresses a uh, addresses a wide range of policies and issues regarding policing practices and law enforcement accountability. Blah blah and blah blah blah. But it does include the measures to increase accountability for police or law enforcement their misconduct. Of course, to enhance, always to enhance. Um, in my opinion, that's what they always want to do: enhance. They want to enhance this, enhance that. The transparency and the data collection. Okay, they want to eliminate again discrepancies and uh, discriminatory policies and the way we police. Okay, and of course, this bill, from a federal standpoint, uh, with a special interest again on the federal law enforcement community, want to talk about the constitutional violations of uh, the citizens' rights, uh, i.e., excessive force from the state and the local levels of the law enforcement. So they always find a way to. Include us, of course. The lower um, lowers of the criminal intent standard. That's what they want to do. They want to lower the criminal intent standard from willful and knowing to reckless. I talked about that. Okay, uh, this is nothing more than the same bill I spoke about earlier. But not only what I would the reason why I brought this back up again is because they want to uh, not only include law enforcement, the federal and state, but guess what they want to do now? They're adding the state um, correctional officers into this. All of a sudden. The correction officer has been thrown into it. So there's always a hidden pig pork agenda that they stuff. Okay, now all of a sudden they want to add the um, Department of Safety into this, the, the, the correction officers. Again, George Floyd incident had nothing to do with a correction officer, had nothing to do with a, 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 a homosexual male or female person, had nothing to do with a race issue, but, a, but what they took the opportunity and they seized on the opportunity and the moment to add all this unneeded crap into this particular bill. They want to eliminate a qualified immunity from all those levels of government and state government that I spoke about as it pertains to the law enforcement community. This They want to authorize the DOJ, Department of Justice, to be able to uh, uh, issue subpoenas and, of course, investigations and create a pattern of practice for folks who's doing uh, discriminatory actions, okay? We talked about that registry that they want to throw in there. They want to just get involved in areas of um, the the local and state and, and fed, um, federal um, government as it pertains to law enforcement where they shouldn't be at. And, of course, they want to push the biggest things I want to leave you with in this particular episode of police accountability, this is all included into that task force, okay? Uh, and, and we'll be diving more into my state on the next episode, but uh, we're going to be talking heavily about the re 
organization or the lack thereof, or more of like I should say, organization of creating and and forming these police accountability task force. But I wanted to hit some bills to start off by, so when we get to the actual creation of the task force, we'll understand why and and what motivated them to do this. Okay. And their whole goal is to create this platform for state, local, and 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 also for federal uh, government as it pertains to these uh, task force. And again, their whole goal is to have someone representing from all levels, right? Uh, again, they will not have the best and the greatest on the task force as it pertains to the law enforcement community. I'm very interested to see who will make up these particular uh, task force as it pertains to the law enforcement community. But at the end of the day, I know here in North Carolina, our governor, um, we call him King Roy Cooper, uh, has already established his task force and a few people up there I am aware of who are nothing more than black activists who hate police. So we ain't solving any issues. We ain't reforming any policies or procedures with that type of hate and dislike. But we're going to dive into that more. Okay. At the end of the day, this bill and all these bills I mentioned to you um, earlier are nothing more than new requirements for law enforcement officers and agencies, including the reporting of the data of the use of force incidents to obtain uh, the training and implicit bias, which again, we already get, we can get, I've been a part, I set in uh, many trainings since 20, um, 2009. So I can tell you it's been going on before that. So they're not doing anything new. They all are doing is adding to something that was already there. Of course, racial profiling has already been in there. Now what they've cleverly done now is added in the uh, body cams and things of that nature and sort, okay? That is exactly what they have done. But they're not really, really, as we say, creating the wheel. They're reinventing the wheel. That's all they're doing, adding more to the wheel, unneededly. I must say that. Now, back on June 11th, 2020, the person we hear a lot about these days, uh, representative from Minnesota, go figure, Senator Amy Klobuchar, okay, introduced legislation called the End Police Use of Chokeholds Act of 2020, which at the end of the day, this does uh, have a little bit of relation to what took place in the George, George Floyd incident. Like I always say, I want to be fair, impartial. I want to talk about the good and the bad, but I also want to make sure that the facts are there. And when things are semi-correct, they are correct. Or if they're not correct, we'll correct them. But if there is some uh, what we call um, information or some solidity to it, uh, we will um, push it or push it out. So this bill wants to help and counteract what took place. Again, uh, most called it a chokehold. Some called it a restraint that was used within the particular police department physical um, and what we use in North Carolina, we call it arrest, search, and seizure, but also the um, accountability of physical um, non-lethal effects of training to, at the end of the day, affecting the rest. They spotted in Minnesota, Minneapolis Police Department, that the chokehold was warranted, and they did teach that in, within their uh, police law enforcement, uh, basic law enforcement training curriculum. Now, Amy Klobuchar, 
Again, she's a Democrat. I, I didn't think I had to say that, but you already knew, right? She wants to introduce this bill, and this bill will create a new condition of eligibility for funds under the Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistant Grant, which is, appears to be a federal grant for law enforcement agencies at the state and local levels, okay, and the community-oriented policing services, COPS program. So she wants to, again, they always add in things, pork. Now, she was on the right track. Then she went off the rails with uh, the funding. So she's using this particular moment to take away funding and, and, and have more control over who gets the funding. We know that the COPS program is, is community-oriented policing. That's where that derived from. That is the acronym. And yet it is just that community-oriented policing is where you get the community involved. You go out and push the community. You speak. You give them uh, prevention, crime prevention. You give them information. You talk about your um, uh, neighborhood watches. You talk about your national night out. You talk about how can they bridge the gap? How can they network within the communities from the um, religious standpoint, the churches being involved from uh, civil different organizations getting involved? But again, it does not, and it was not created to create a, a, a moment for uh, police physical training or that of, or lack thereof, of chokeholds. That wasn't why any of this stuff was created. Yet, Amy Klobuchar cleverly found a way to sneak this in and to say, if these things are not adhered to, we should be able to jag them, okay? Take that funding from the Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistant Grant, J-A-G program, okay? And, of course, COPS, Community-Oriented Policing Services Program. They want to be able to control the narrative and the funding on that. So she found a way to sneak it in. But this is her bill, in Police Use of Chokeholds Act, Act of 2020. But when you break it down and look into it, it's nothing more than talking about the eligibility and the conditions of funding for the state and local police and feds as it pertains to the community policing. I think it's ridiculous, okay? And yet we're still pushing it, yet we're still out there trying to create a false narrative. The left has very clever ways of bringing in things that really, at the end of the day, don't matter. Now, as I wrap up, and as we end this great show, I have really enjoyed it. I want to talk for a moment about uh, last year, George... Floyd and uh, Derek Chauvin. That was a, a very uh, tragic incident that took place. Don't necessarily want to call it an accident because I don't know all of Chauvin's, uh, if any, of his motives behind that. However, George Floyd died within that incident, right? I'm going to just put it right where it should go. But we have taken this George Floyd incident, Derek Chauvin incident, we have branched it out. Uh, it was first nothing more than a small little hole, okay? Uh, then we brought it to a pothole, then we made it a sinkhole, and now we have it blown up to all out what we call landslide, okay? That's where we're at right now with this thing. And it is inappropriate, it is not accurate for this incident to completely swallow the law enforcement community to where every chance, every time um, that the left has to create bills to, again, like I talked about it earlier in the show, to cripple and to tie the hands of law enforcement. 
This was one bad actor, if we want to call it that. And we already have found him guilty by a member of his peers within his state. They found him guilty. The man who was at the helm of all of this, however, they are continue, and I say they, I'm talking about members on the left, whether they serve in the United States Congress and the United States House and local, okay, government, those people on the left are continue, are continually putting law enforcement in this bracket. Officer Antoine Thomas and all the great men and women I know around this state, around this country and law enforcement, we were not to blame. We did not create what happened back in 2020. It was not us. So, my departing words to all you representatives out there, again, serving in state and federal and local government, I want to tell you, let it stop the punning. Let's stop the false narrative. Let's stop the uh, false pushings of police are racist. Police are killers. Police are to blame. Stop it. Let's talk about why America is being uh, preyed upon as it pertains to the Middle East, the Chinese government, the Russian government. Okay, let's talk about those things that actually matter and will help make a difference in this country. Let's talk about fraudulent elections. Let's talk about uh, uh, people, uh, murderers. Let's talk about child molesters. Let's talk about our legal immigration policies. Let's talk about our um, failed trade policies. Let's talk about things that will enhance the country as a whole. That is where we make a difference. If you want to say enhance, let's enhance pushing the America agenda, agenda forward. If you want to talk about enhancing, let's enhance making a safer and better community, okay, where we live or where you don't live, but where you represent. Let's do that. That's what you were chosen. That's what you were elected to do. Serve notice that if you can't do it, move out of the way. Now, I've said a whole lot, and I mean it, and it is time to stand up, fight back. I talked about in the critical race uh, race theory block, okay, or segment, series, however you want to call it. We talked about it. Those are the things that are and should be important to every black, white, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, Irish, Italian, American. Those are the things. And when all that is said and done, let us get back to doing what we do well in America, and that is bridging the gap that is creating an environment for our sons and daughters, our moms and dads, our husbands and wives, sisters and brothers to live in. But before we can do all of that, we have to put God back at the forefront, not the center, not the middle, not the end, at the front of everything we do in America. Why? Because America and our forefathers built this great country on the Christian Judeo and God first principles.
Okay. And until and until when we put God back at the forefront, this country will always be a failing country. Until we put God back at the forefront, this country will always be a race baiting nation. Until we put God back at the forefront, this country will always be a country who spouts cops are killing black men. Until we put God back at the forefront, we will always be a weak nation. Now, I've said a whole lot. I'm wrapping up. Please stay tuned for more of the series that I have entitled The Latest Buzzwords, Reimagining Police and the Police Accountability Task Force. I hope very soon to bring on some great friends and some wonderful movers and shakers within North Carolina government uh, as it pertains to the North Carolina House of Representatives. And I definitely want to bring on a very, very special guest very soon. I've got some feedback. I've got some um, answers back from his administration. I hope to bring him on. I have a friend of mine who serves in the North Carolina House of Representatives on the Republican side, who is young, as I've been preaching, who has uh, drafted legislation, um, have had some pushed and passed, who wants to change the dynamics and who wants to talk about how the state and the nation can get back together and how we could grow and produce great things and great fruit. Okay. Listen, you know, I always say this, I always just want you to listen. You've been listening and I appreciate that, <laughs> but I need you to very uh, much come in now and listen very closely, bring in your ears closer. I've really enjoyed, I really have enjoyed bringing this particular episode to you, as I always say that. I always want you to reach one. I want you to teach one. And at the end of the day, too, as you're reaching one, you're teaching one. I've been saying this in many episodes now. Please always do something for me and bring an open set of ears and bring an open mind. Okay, you only have one mind, so bring one of them and bring your uh, two ears, okay, because you have a set, you have a pair. Bring those. Be what we call receptive, be a listener, and understand that this stuff is not just made up. I don't make it up. It's not all based on my opinions and my beliefs. It is based on the doctrine. And again, I'm always going to push and I'm going to make sure God's at the forefront of what I do and say. He gives me this material. He gives me the uh, ability to put it together. And I have enjoyed it. Again, this is, has been the longest episode thus far, I believe. And I'm just enjoyed it. But I, I, I knew and I know this is very much important and I wanted to bring it to you. I think you should hear it. I know you need to hear it. So, again, continue to share, continue to like, and keep listening to Real Talk, because at the end of the day, I am your host, whether you like it or not. <laughs> whether you like it or not, I'm your host, okay? I ain't changing unless I'm out and somebody else wants to take a, a, a different episode for me and, and, and get it out there. But until then, I have the ability to wait until things are better, okay? And thanks be unto the great God that I serve. I have been fortunate not to have any uh, elements of sickness come upon me. So I'm enjoying it. Please continue to pray for me. I'll pray for you. God bless our country. 
I hope that God bless you. And of course, I hope that God continues to bless the United States of America and our armed forces. Until we meet again, this is The Real Talk. And you have been listening to Officer Antoine Thomas. See you soon.